Hey there, I'm Eric J. Olson. And I'm Kevin Daisy. You're listening to the Managing Partners Podcast, where we interview top lawyers about how they're growing their firms. Hey there, it's Eric J. Olson for another live episode of the Managing Partners Podcast. And today I am joined by Michael Duffy, all the way from New York. How's it going, Michael? I'm doing very well. How are you? Thanks for having me. I'm doing great. Hey, let's let's hear a little bit about your, your work environment there. Looks like you're working from home. Is that right? I've been working from home for almost a year now. Uh, How's that going? On and off. It's going surprisingly well. We were, we were probably about 80% capable of handling remote work before the pandemic and then, you know, kind of pushed us that last 20%. So it's been working pretty well. Some things obviously are better in person, but since we don't have trials uh, yet in New York and almost everything, depositions, court conferences, everything else is being handled remotely. Everybody's able to handle their stuff online. That was a, a pretty fast and big change that the legal industry and the courts made, wasn't it? It was. It yeah. was. And, I, you know, the thing with plaintiff's work is so much of it is individualized, right? You have your case list and you work uh, on your cases for the most part, uh, you know, as an associate or as a partner. The defense firms, I think, had a much bigger issue. You know, they they require uh, the hourly billing and and they require court conferences to to make that work in the structure they had. Uh, with those court conferences gone, I think they had a much bigger transition than most plaintiff's firms. I think for us in New York, I can't, you know, obviously I can't speak for everybody else, but the biggest transition as a plaintiff's firm was carriers were just far less interested in resolving cases and you didn't have the hammer of a trial to force that issue. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, you had to maximize your work the best way you could. For us, that really came down to making sure that we just pushed as hard as we possibly could and made clear to them that you, we may not have the hammer of a trial today, but we're going to be here tomorrow. That's right. Yep. Yep. Well, we, we, we kind of skipped over the first question because we got talking about that. So what, tell us a little bit about who you are, about your firm, what you guys do. So my name is Michael Duffy, uh, and I am the managing partner of Duffy & Duffy. We, we have a medical malpractice, nursing home abuse, and uh, personal injury plaintiff's law firm based out of Long Island. We practice all over New York. We This firm is a combination of two firms. 20 years ago, I had my own law firm, and my father was a partner in another firm. And whatever happened with them, they were going to break up. And uh, he announced that he was going to leave New York City and come to Long Island and start a law firm doing exactly what I was doing. And I told him he really can't do that, that there's a guy named Duffy doing exactly that on the island. Uh, and he said, uh, you know, welcome to the NFL, kid. This is the way it's going to be. So, you know, I did what any Irishman would do in that circumstance. I called my mother and uh, I asked her <laughs> to fix this problem for me. So eventually we we wound up working it out. So we were partners for 20 years. Dad passed in December of 19 and uh, he tried cases. He was 83 years old and he had a verdict a month before he died, uh, which was the biggest verdict in the county that year. So he, oh, wow. I mean, he really, he, he was an amazing partner, an amazing man. So we, and of course, an amazing father. So we, we built the firm. We started out really with no, he had significant name recognition and I had a little bit of a following on the island, but we, we undertook to try to blanket Long Island and really try to be a or have a significant footprint on plaintiff's personal injury, particularly in medical malpractice. And we used a lot of what the marketing technology was at that time, which is so much different than it is today. But we wined and dined everybody that, that had ESQ at the end of their name and, and relied entirely on a peer-to-peer -peer, uh, relationship. So really? wow. over time, that's grown. We're now uh, 15 lawyers um, and we have 
a significant volume in plaintiff's work, but again, primarily medical malpractice and nursing home abuse with with some car accidents and stuff like that in there as well. Really interesting story. You, you said your father passed. Uh, he did. Name of the, of the firm is still Duffy and Duffy. Duffy and Duffy, yes. Uh, is, is there another Duffy involved at this point, or are you just? You so just there are there are quite a few. There's my brother, yeah. sister. Uh, there's a cousin. There's an uncle. We're, we're quite the family firm. <laughs> Duffy's in law. Yes, uh, that's yeah. interesting. You, okay. like, you know, the the joke is typically which Duffy are you? So the client oh is my father here today <laughs> it entirely depends on the day <laughs> i like that that's that's really cool uh you know in, in the beginning of our talk you had mentioned that you were about 80 percent there when it came to technology when coronavirus hit to go remote uh generally speaking what was that 20 percent and, and how big of a challenge was that i mean it was a significant challenge right i mean the, the best description i heard of all of this was that 2025 came five years early uh we everything was heading in this direction anyway right. but there were things that we didn't really anticipate or think about things as simple as the mail. Where was the mail going to go? How was the mail going to get picked up? How was it going to get scanned into the system? Where were checks going to go? How were we going to get those into the bank? You know, so so some sort of, you know, you might call them mundane things, but they're the backbone of what keeps a firm working. How are the phones going to be managed? You know, we have a uh, receptionist at the board and we were able to move the phones over to her at her home. But when five or six or seven phone calls were all coming in at the same time, how was she handling that? That's right. So as a, I, I have a son with an immune disease. So as a result of that, we were a little more aware of it in the in a two or three week span before everybody. And uh, so we were able to get the IT people to work because we anticipated that coming again, that two or three weeks before everybody else did. And that really wound up being instrumental because we weren't backlogged. The, you know, we were at the front of that queue. So we were able to get, for instance, a scanner into one person's home and redirect the mail there. We were able to get the checks were being, you know, remotely deposited. And we were able to, to work with the phone company to get a quasi board in the receptionist's home. So those things, you just have to think them through. And until you're forced to, you really wouldn't think of those things. Yeah, yeah, and those just... were really the things that that beat us up. Uh, and and frankly, workflow, not so much for the attorneys, but for staff. What were they doing every day? The attorneys were doing more than they might typically do without relying on the support staff because they were at home and they didn't have to go to court. So they didn't they didn't worry as much about their time. So we wanted to make sure that we, we didn't lay anybody off or fire anybody or cut any hours. So we wanted to make sure that people were working. And you also had to adjust the reality that at home, you're just not going to be working that 10 hours or whatever, you know, whatever you might at the office. It's just not going to be the same thing. So yeah. all those things, I think more than anything else. Yeah. I mean, certainly the billing is, is, is it would be a huge component for you, but the mundane things, like you said, uh, just the mail, like who's going to get the mail, right? And where does it go? Mail. Like we had those problems here. Like there, there was, I had to go to the post office a couple of times because they would just stack up, you know, weeks worth yeah. of mails and bring it and hold it at the post office. And I just, you know, just didn't want to collect it or whatever. Right. <laughs> but there were, and there were also checks in there, right? And so now yeah. if like, you know, if we're telling clients to check as they come in the mail yet, well, I better go check the mail first. What a pain. So. And, you know, we, you know, so everything we do and the reason people are able to work home is because everything is scanned into the system and then they can access it on the server. You got to get the mail in order to do that. Yeah. yeah. Like I said, the, the mundane things, that, that's what gets most people. But it, it sounds like you had a really good start towards that transition. Uh, we were lucky transition. So, you know, so, okay, we, we talked about technology and how that's changed in the last year or how that's changed, you know, the, the practice of law and, and your practice. Do you anticipate that those technological changes will continue into the future? And if so, how much? And what, what other kind of trends do you kind of see 
on the horizon? Well, you know, I think what you're going to see is that old timers like me are going to have to adjust because the technology certainly is important. And I think that that everything we're seeing, you, you have to be willing to embrace it and you have to be willing to go with it. But the bigger issue, I think, is that people people's mindset changed. I, you know, I think I just read an article this morning in the Times and it was about Iowa and how, you know, the the entire downtown is decimated and, and all these sorts of things. And that has to do with people leaving small towns. These trends can change because the, tomorrow's lawyer is not going to want to sit in an office in lower Manhattan. They're going to want to stay at home and they're going to want to and they're going to say, I can be just as productive at home. I can get everything you need done at home, but I don't need to waste two hours transparent, uh, you know, transporting into the city or wherever, wherever your work may be. Yeah. You know, I can put my kids to bed at night and I can, you know, I can be daddy and I can be mommy and I can do those things that perhaps my generation didn't get to do because we were busy getting into the city or getting to court or whatever we were doing. So I think what you're going to see is that the entire practice of law on the personal injury side is likely going to change. I think you're going to see a lot more outsourcing. I think you're going to see a lot more remote work. And I think you're going to see a lot fewer cases per lawyer because people are going to have a higher profit margin if they don't need uh, office space and they don't need secretarial help and they don't need paralegal help. And they don't need all these other things. For instance, you know, the biggest issue we face in a, as a medical malpractice firm, the biggest time consuming thing is obtaining and reviewing medical records. You can outsource most of that. I mean, you can't, the review process requires the skill and the experience of the lawyer, but the chronologies, breaking down the medical records and what day, those things can all be outsourced now. And they really couldn't be in the past. Uh, you could have, you could have sent them to various places, but the relative quality was was low. Now there are tons and tons of services that you can find high quality nurses reviewing your records in terms of chronologies uh, to, so that you don't have to waste that time. Uh, you can have services that are obtaining the records. You can do all those things. And the amount of time that is then not wasted, it's it's not wasted in that year. Oh, can't hear you. There we go. You're back? Think you're back? Yep, we're back. All right. Sorry about that. Uh, so the amount of time you're able to to pull back will will inert the benefit of society because you'll now be able to get back and live in your community and be a part of your community and not just be uh, commuting every day. Yeah, that's really interesting. Yeah, you know, we're we're, we're seeing that as well here with, with our folks. Um, you know, even like mm-hmm. a, a 10 or 15 minute commute is all of a sudden like, oh, I don't know if I want to do that anymore. And it's like, right. Right. But, yeah, but it's not, you know, there's, there's nothing necessarily bad about it, right? I mean, it's just different. It's different than what my generation is used to. I was on the phone with an, a, a partner in a firm in Manhattan the other day. And he kept saying it, you know, it's just not like an office if we do it remotely. Well, that's true, but you just need to re-identify the important parts of the office. To me, the most important part of having the office together is the ability to transmit knowledge and experience from one generation to the next. So you just need to be mindful that that is a component that needs to be incorporated into whatever your model is going to be. I do not need necessarily to see someone sitting at their desk so that I feel I'm getting the maximum value for, for their salary. I need to see the work product. So all of this, I think, is really just a function of embracing what's there. You're not going to change it, right? I mean, today's generation is not going to want to do the things we did and communication and the internet and all the things that we rely on every day are absolutely going to be embraced by that generation. So if you want to be successful in running a plaintiff's uh, practice, I think you as the managing partner need to be able to embrace those technological changes as well. Yeah, that's really interesting. But you're right, there should be a focus on on the quality of the product, the service you provide to, you know, your 
your customers, but then also it's, it's a change of habit, like getting on video calls internally, getting on the phone internally, Absolutely. right? And, and instead of just being like, hey, Bob, right? No, you, you just, it's just a little bit of a change, not a big deal, right? A little bit of a change. And frankly, for the client base, you know, for them to come to my office, so so we're centrally located on Long Island, but Long Island's a pretty big place. So if somebody needs to come to our office, that's that's a big portion of their day. Uh, and they may be showing up for a 15 minute meeting. You can do that on Zoom now. And, right. and clients like it. Some clients want to see you, but clients like it. Uh, they want to see, they want to have the communication. They want to be able to feel that they have a connection with their attorney. And if they're seeing their attorney far more frequently by Zoom than they might see them face to face in an office setting, then you'll be fostering those relationships. How much of an impact do you think that will have on law firms uh, going to other states that they wouldn't normally go to or haven't gone to historically in the past? Like uh, you're, you're in New York. So what if you wanted to now do practice and you know, practice in New Jersey or Delaware? You know, someplace that's, well, I mean, it could be California, but like, do you think that that's going to happen a lot because of technology? I think you might see some firms that are adopting that sort of thing. You know, there, there are some firms that are massive now and are in many states. And so you might see some back and forth there, but you have licensure issues uh, in terms of that. One of the big things we were warned about when the pandemic hit was, you know, if you're, if you plan on spending time down in Florida, you, you're not licensed there. So you better make sure you're, you're being careful about what you're doing down there. Uh, you don't want to be banged with, you know, practicing law without a license. As silly as that may sound, that was a concern. So I think you'll, you'll certainly see more interaction. You'll see, you know, obviously everybody markets now through the internet. I get leads every day that are not in New York. So I think you'll see a lot of interaction in that regard where I'm sending them to somebody else or I'm interacting with somebody else. We, we were in you know, someone inquired about a case in Pennsylvania with us the other day, which would be a significant case that we would take here. And we're trying to figure out how we're going to coordinate with someone in Pennsylvania. So certainly I think you're going to see more of that by virtue of the change in digital advertising and things like that. But I do think you're just going to see generally more communication between lawyers from wherever, because the communication will be just like we have now for social interactions, as opposed to in the past, it would just be the people that you interacted with either in your office or in the courthouse. Yeah. You know, you've, you've mentioned lead generation a couple of times so far. Yeah. And, uh, you know, back in the day, it was taking out other lawyers to lunch, right? That was still kind of is, the it is so, still yeah. to a large extent. There you go. Uh, you've also talked about lead generation online, websites, things yeah. like that. What, what are some other kinds of tactics that you, you've embraced and you've seen have worked very, very well, or even the contrary, some that just didn't work out quite as well as you thought? I mean, I've done a million things that didn't work out yeah. that well. You know, I'm, uh, I'm fond of a line Jeff Bezos had, which is you'd be amazed at how many things we've tried or failed at, but how do you know if you're going to succeed unless you try it? So sure. as a rule, I have found that television advertising is not worth it unless you have a huge bank of money. There's a fellow out of, out of Missouri that I've talked to, an, another plaintiff's lawyer at length, and he's doing very well in terms of television advertising, but he explained the process was many years of building up to that. He, he needed to make sure he had the resources to do that. So I'm not a big fan of television advertising as an individual firm. I certainly am a big fan of uh, all of the things you need to do online, the SEO, the, the pay-per-click, all of that. I, I think that is, the as with everything else about the internet, it's the best way to get your message across. The biggest problem I have with it is that, you know, I, I know who does medical malpractice on Long Island. They're not that many. And every website says they do medical malpractice. So, you know, there's there's a certain lack of validity to a lot of the things you're seeing. And there needs, in my opinion, there needs to be a better weeding out process mm. for that. And I really don't know how to do that, but, but I think there does need to be. So I think that has limitations. So I think you do need to continue doing, even though you are doing, and we are heavily invested in digital, I think you still need to be doing a lot of the person-to-person, -person, the peer-to-peer stuff so that those lawyers with those websites who, who may have 
a client that steps in are still seeing you as the person. Uh, I don't think you can eliminate any one avenue. I think it's all, you have to do it all. If the right television program came, you know, uh, advertising program came along, we'd consider it. If the right radio advertising program came along, we'd consider it. Now with those things, in my opinion, you, you run into issues regarding how you want to be perceived by the community. Certainly the Salino and Barnes of the world, you cannot question the success of what they did, but I don't know how clients viewed them. I don't know if they viewed them as serious players or not. The, but the question certainly is there as to, you know, when Saturday Night Live is doing skits about you, whether whether you're being taken seriously. Frankly, if, you're, if your objective is to generate leads, then I don't think you care all that much if Saturday Night Live is making fun of you. But if you're concerned at all about how you're perceived in the community, then, then television and radio, you don't get to control that perception quite as much as you can on the internet. So I, I do think that so much of what we're doing now and so much of the things we talked about, about where the future of this business goes, highlights the need for digital advertising and for really maximizing your authority within that space. Love it. That's great. All right, Michael, uh, I've taken up 20 minutes of your time and I appreciate it. If people well, want thank to you. reach out to you and connect, yes. what is a good way to do that? They can absolutely go online. We are www.duffyduffylaw.com or they can absolutely call the phone 516-394-4200. They can reach me on my email at mduffy at duffyduffylaw.com. There you go. All right. Once again, thank Michael, you very I appreciate much. it. And for everyone who's watching, if you want to spice up your law firm marketing, take a look at ArrayLaw.com. We're Array Digital, and we focus on all the things that Michael was just talking about as far as websites, SEO, online advertising, and social media. All right, Michael, and appreciate it. And you didn't it. put me up to it. <laughs> all right, thanks. Thank you.